Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What is up, everybody? Welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter, part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. And I'm excited to come to you live on Twitter now as we get to talk about a Denver Nuggets win over the Golden State Warriors final score, 134-117. This is really good stuff. I'm really excited for this. This feels like a... A leap into the modern age for me where I've been recording offline for so long and haven't really been able to get engaged with the audience on YouTube. So I'm, I'm just really excited to be with you guys and hopefully this goes well. I have to have to give a big massive shout out to my uh, producer, Michael, who is in the background on this call and is helping me out with everything. I'm really excited for this process. Hopefully, this kind of kicks things off for the entire Mile High Sports brand. And it's just going to be a lot of fun. So, this is going to be kind of a testing ground to see how it goes. But for now, let's get into how the Denver Nuggets dominate once again. And Joker and Murray dominate once again. Really, really exciting stuff with this group. And, I mean, you got to give it up to Joker and Jamal. Their consistency over the course of these past few weeks, honestly, has been exactly why Nikola Jokic was voted the player of the month in January, why Michael Malone was voted the coach of the month in January. Those guys, they benefit from the consistency factor. They benefit from just not having bad games. And I know we we had the the Joel Embiid, Nikola Jokic fiasco that happened last Saturday, but in general, up until the, the second half, Joker was having a great game. So, At this stage, I feel like we've moved into a different era with this Nuggets group where it just feels like everybody is at this stage where they know what they're supposed to do. They know everything is going to go well because Joker and Jamal are going to play well. So it is really, really nice. I am excited to get through this. Sorry, I'm just trying to uh, I'm trying to figure this out. Uh, live. I'm pulling up comments. Lots of guys. Abel's in the chat. I see good friend of the program, Kale, in the chat. Uh, excited to be here with you, Kale, as well. You guys at DNVR are starting this stuff, so really excited to get it going here. Uh, we need that funky music. We're working on the music situation. This is going to be a process for sure, but Let's get into it now. I'm going to go through the process that I normally go through. I'll probably try to hide some or I'll probably try to put up some comments here as well just as we continue to go forward. But you guys know my process on this podcast. You know what I do and I go through all of the starters. I go through everything that the Nuggets have gone through and I do the starters in the first segment, the bench in the second segment, and then I go through 
Uh, this time we're going to do the trade deadline because we're this is a special show. Going to have a lot of fun with it. Should be really good. Uh, but first, we got to talk about Nikola Jokic in this game, who was just unbelievable in how he controlled things. Between him and Jamal, it always feels like those guys are in like the total driver's seat of what the what the team needs at the right time. And you re- you're reading the stat line right, where Joker's plus 26 in this game in 33 minutes. And to be able to do that on a consistent basis, to be the league leader in plus minus like he is, to have a 17th triple-double, and this was a mean triple-double, 16 assists. I mean, come on, man. Nobody does what he's doing right now. And it is exciting to be a part of that, to be able to watch that really unfold for this team. Because he impacts the game in so many ways. And sure, the Warriors scored. Like, Steph went off. Jordan Poole had some really impressive shots. Uh, gosh, I mean, Dante DiVincenzo. It felt like Dante DiVincenzo was making everything. And then he didn't attempt a single shot in the second half, it felt like. So, it's really nice to see at this stage what Denver's doing. What they're accomplishing with Jokic at the center of it all. Vlako Chanchar starts in place of Aaron Gordon, but Denver still has the offensive firepower, the offensive engine necessary, even if Flacco is a little bit different than Aaron Gordon, even if uh, Jamal Murray is playing a little bit different of a style, although it looked like kind of a carbon copy between Jamal and Joker for the New Orleans game, where I was plugging in the stats for both Jamal and Joker in this one, and they were just identical stat lines. It was really pretty funny. I think Jokic had... Uh, I, don't, I don't even know what he had. He had a crazy like 14 assists, 15 assist number. He had uh, 18 rebounds and now he has 14, one steal, one block. He's just so productive. Oh, and he was 10 of 14 from the field. Tonight he was 9 of 13. It was just an ideal game for the way that Joker wants to play. And he continues to impact the game in so many ways. That's why he has been the MVP as long as he has been. And it's really exciting for everybody involved. Uh I am very impressed with Jamal Murray, too. I think Jamal has gotten to a place, his interview with Katie Wingy on the pipe, or on the uh, the postgame in the arena was very, very fascinating, where she asks him, is this the, the most uh, confident that you've ever felt in your game? And he just nods, he just looks at her like, and just starts nodding like, yeah, yeah, this is, this is, this is it. I think in general, that Jamal, the version of Jamal that's still going to be the best is the bubble, but he's approaching it. And the consistency with which he's playing, the aggressiveness with which he's playing has just been so, so important for leveling this team up. I think the difference between when you see what Denver did last year against the Golden State Warriors, how they had a lot of offense. They didn't really have a problem scoring, but they couldn't overwhelm the Warriors with their scoring. Tonight, they put up 134. (laughs) It looked kind of easy. They didn't even shoot outrageous numbers from anywhere. They just kind of did what they did, and they didn't turn the ball over on on top of that. So it was really impressive. Jamal goes for 33 points, 8 assists, 30 minutes, 12 of 23 from the field. He only shot 3 of 11 from 3. But Michael Malone was talking about this in the postgame, how it really is just about the aggressiveness, about the willingness to shoot. Because if teams are closing out on him on the perimeter, like he is going to shoot, it gives him a window to drive by them. And that was probably the thing that was missing most from Jamal in October and November to now Jamal on February 2nd, as we record this at the midnight hour, February 3rd. Uh, It feels like 
his athleticism is just in a much better place where he's more confident to go the direction that he wants to go and change direction on a whim. That's part of his game where it, it didn't ever really leave, but it's just far more pronounced now than where it was for a while. Uh, I'm at the stage with Jamal where he is the second best player on the team. I know that lots of people know that I'm, uh, they think I'm in Jamal's bag in terms of like, hey, you, this is this is just your guy. This You're going to defend him until the day that you die. And I probably will, if we're being honest. But I think that he warrants it. And I think that he's a player who, as you see the progression coming back from an ACL tear, you realize, oh yeah, there was definitely a lot of lost athleticism there that he's starting to kind of creep back. And the confidence with which he sort of changes direction, the contorting layups that he has at the rim, it's just really, really cool to see. And I'm glad that he's trying stuff because that's the most important thing. He is being aggressive and he is being willing to do basically whatever he wants to do. Vlako Chanchar got the start in place of Aaron Gordon tonight. Aaron Gordon had a sprained right ankle, I'm pretty sure, and sat out this game. Draymond Green and Clay Thompson also sat out this game. So it's unfortunate that this wasn't like a measuring stick performance in full. But Steph still did Steph things. Jordan Poole was still awesome in, in a lot of different ways and infuriating for his team and a lot of others. Uh, but Vlaco steps in and plays really well next to Nicola, next to Mike, next to uh, KCP and MPJ. He fills that gap. And it was so funny. He got a podium game after the game. They gave Nicola the night off. And Vlaco's just like, well, how, how are you so successful, Vlaco? How are you so successful on, on a night like tonight? And he was like, that's because I'm the fifth best guy in the lineup. <laughs> like he, he doesn't have any of the attention of the opposing team. And, and there's a lot of that. There were some of those threes where he did not have a whole bunch of attention paid to him and then he made the opposing team pay for it. He was cutting, he was moving, he was running, he was screening, he was passing, and he got a couple of steals in that second half. Really important plays that helped Denver turn defense into offense. I know they gave up 117. But it felt like Denver was at a really good place tonight where they were consistently doing what they needed to do to go on runs. And you don't have to be a great defense all the time in order to beat the Golden State Warriors. You just have to pick and choose your moments. And I think that Denver was mostly consistent in the second half, but they just found times like at the, the middle to the end of the third quarter. Vlaka was out there for a lot of that period, and he was great for a lot of that time. So... Really good stuff from Vlaco. Him being able to kind of step in for Aaron Gordon in this phase, really, really impressive stuff. And I think that he should probably play over Jeff, if I'm being honest. I think that Jeff is fine in general, but he's not like, he's not the best. I think uh, I think that Denver trusts Jeff in general, but I, I just like Vlaco's game more. I think that he adds more to the team in general. And I think that his willingness to kind of do a bunch of different things is really, really important. Um, I think at this stage, let's now go to KCP. Um, starting to try to figure out. Um, hmm. Let's sorry, trying to figure this out. KCP did some really good things against Steph Curry tonight. I thought that Steph in the first half just got where he needed to go. KCP in the second half. They also had Christian Brown on, on Steph in the second half, but KCP is just one of those guys that you never really need to worry about. And even though Steph was going off, KCP found some ways to go off on his own. 
8 of 12 from the field, if I'm not mistaken, or 8 of 14, excuse me, 18 points, but he only attempted three threes, which is pretty abnormal for somebody like KCP. And his willingness and his ability to be able to take a mid-range pull-up and hit it with consistency is really, really important because if you run him off the three, he's perfectly fine and comfortable taking a mid-range two. And it's not the best, most efficient shot, but if he can hit it 50% of the time, Denver will take that, honestly. Like, that's that's a perfectly reasonable number, especially in half-court sets. So KCP being able to do that, uh, really happy with the way that he has impacted the team on a consistent way. Let's go to Michael Porter and wrap up with him in the starting unit. Michael Porter, 27 minutes tonight, but had 17 points on 6 of 12. Had a couple of threes late in this game, including a pull-up three that was basically the dagger right at the end of it. And I'm, I'm just so happy with Porter being able to step into the role that he has stepped into because he's one of those guys that there were a lot of questions about, kind of like Bones, and Bones is going through it right now. We'll talk about him soon. But Michael Porter was a guy that people had a lot of questions about and still do, but Porter's willingness to fly around, uh, to challenge shots on the perimeter, try to make it not as easy for the opponent as possible, and then on top of it, just be able to have 17 points on 12 shots and go 5 of 9 from 3. There is a reason why he is one of the most positive Denver Nuggets in the plus minus. Part of it is he shares the floor with Jokic. A lot of it is that Michael Porter's turned himself into a really good role player, which I did not think I would be talking about. I, I think that that is a really, really important aspect of Porter's ability to kind of rise to the occasion on, on so many times here. He has been Denver's, not not their third most, I think probably their fourth most important player still. I think that KCP is important. I think that Bruce Brown is important. But when you get down to it, the threat that Michael Porter has on a consistent basis, it's always going to be there. And teams can never leave him. And if they do, it is a bucket pretty much every single time. So that's why you see so many teams just flying out at the dude and trying to run him through screens on the other end. They're trying to tire him out, put him into a position where he can't do those other things. So I think that Porter's in probably the best place as a consistent basketball player as he's ever been at the NBA level. He was doing some stuff back in the 2020-21 season where he was very good. He was very efficient. He was doing some off-the-dribble stuff then uh, and probably a little bit more explosive than he is right now. But I just think he's a better, more complete player right now, which I think is just super, super cool. Um, Let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to now... Let's now get into the bench unit when we come back. But first, as everybody knows, this podcast is brought to you guys by our good friends over at Super Superbook Sports. The final drive for championship is here, and there's no better place to get in on the wager for the title tilt than Superbook Sports. Superbook features the best menu of prop bets in the business. Plus, check out their special odds boosts and promotions at Superbook.com. With over three decades of odds-making experience in Las Vegas, there's no better place to wager than Superbook Sports. Win some money as one lucky team wins the championship. Download the Superbook Sports app today. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700.
are back. Pickaxe and roll. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Let me drink a glass of water here. Very excited about just the way that Denver has approached this year and very excited about how they're trying new things on the bench now. It sort of felt like they're in a little bit of a run and Bones Highland kind of on, on the receiving end of what was a pretty unfortunate time for Denver, but Denver now goes with a new bench lineup heading into this game. The starters, you knew that they were going to be great. Like Flacco fills in perfectly for Mike or for Aaron Gordon tonight. Everybody on the starting unit is a double-digit positive in the plus-minus. That's great. The first half bench uh, was not great. It was not a good. It was it was just not a good lineup, and it should be a good lineup. Like you look at it, Jamal Murray, Bruce Brown, Christian Brown. Jeff Green, and Zeke Naji. I think if I were to change around that lineup, I would put Vlaco in place of Jeff Green. I think that Vlaco just provides a better spacing option, which is something that that bench sort of sorely needs, where Bruce Brown can go dry. Christian Brown, not necessarily a shooter right now, uh, although Bruce Brown went three of three tonight, so probably not the right time to really criticize. Uh, Jeff Green, not a shooter, and Zeke Naji right now is just not really a shooter. So, I think that Denver at this stage, they're still tinkering with things, but the one thing that really stands out is just no bones Highland. Um, first half, not good. I thought that Jamal did some okay things. So he was trying to carry the group, but then he picked up his third foul right at the end of that stint. That was not good. The problem, though, is that the Warriors were splashing threes against this group pretty much the entire time, and there was just nothing that they could really do going around screens. Uh, I think that everybody was just a little bit discombobulated, and maybe it's because they've never played a minute together, so I'm not really surprised that it wasn't successful against Steph or Jordan Poole, and, but like James Wiseman, Jordan Poole, like you should probably do some better stuff against a team like that, I think. Uh, but in the second half, Denver changed over and went to Bruce Brown, KCP, uh, you had Christian Brown, Jeff Green and Zeke Naji. So they flipped Murray and KCP. And I don't think that KCP is a better player than Murray or even like a better fit by any means. Because I think in a playoff series, that lineup is going to have to score. They're, they can't just try to shut teams down because teams are going to be able to score against them, especially at a playoff level. But at uh, like in the regular season, it's fine to be able to do this because Denver when Steph started the fourth, KCP also started the fourth. And what he was able to do in combination and in concert with Bruce Brown, with Christian Brown, with Jeff Green and Zeke Naji, being able to switch, being able to guard on the perimeter, you're not worried about James Wiseman. James Wiseman was horrible tonight, just not a very helpful player in any sense of the word and just doesn't really have, I think, the basketball IQ necessary to really punish a team like uh, a, a team like Denver, where they're going small with a Zeke Naji or a Jeff Green or switching pretty much all the time. I mean, there were possessions. There was a possession where James Wiseman caught the ball basically like just inside the left block in the paint, and he had KCP on him. And he turns and does a jump hook over KCP and kind of falls away while doing it. And there's just no balance on the shot, no touch on the shot. And I think Denver, if they go up against centers that are like that, Maybe they can get away with this group even more. Uh, but the fact is, is that they're going to have to find a little bit more consistency than Jeff Green. Jeff has not been very good. 
This was kind of a cardio game for him, unfortunately. He had zero points, zero rebounds, zero assists, zero steals, and zero blocks in 14 minutes and was a minus 11 in his 14 minutes. So I think they're still trying to figure things out. Like I said, if I would go with Vlaco, if I were Denver, if I were looking towards a playoff series. However, I can understand why Michael Malone is trying to play him. They are trying to maintain that camaraderie and chemistry that he provides and that everybody knows that is kind of a part of discussions like these. But let's get to Bruce Brown, who I think is one of those players for Denver. He is their sixth man. He is a great sixth man. I recently made the argument that rather than Russell Westbrook, who is somehow the favorite at a lot of books to win sixth man of the year, Bruce Brown is a way better sixth man than somebody like Russ, where you have to be able to fill in the gaps. You have to be able to bolster what the starters are doing. Your role is to fill in and do everything that the starters couldn't do or try to do it at as a at a reasonable level, in which case they, they were struggling with before. I think that Bruce Brown is starting to figure that out, and it really helps when he goes three of three from three. Like that dude, sometimes he just gets hot, and I don't understand it. There was a really nice play where he dribbled to he dribbled under the baseline to Christian Brown. Christian Brown catches the ball in the opposite corner. Bruce Brown exits to the back to the same or the opposite corner of him, and then Christian Brown goes right under the baseline, right to him, and passes over to Bruce for a wide open three. And to be able to have guys that can do at least a little bit with the ball, which I think Christian can, I think Bruce can, uh, even when Jamal isn't out there, they, they're not dead in the water when somebody like Bones Highland isn't out there. They have the ability to create. It's just about finding the right chemistry and the right shots and not settling for floaters, not settling for anything like that. But Bruce Brown, good defense, versatile, switching, doing a whole heck of a lot for what this team needs. And I am glad that Denver at this stage is doing what they can to get Bruce ready to play point guard because there's going to be a lot of it. Like Jamal sometimes, like he could get into foul trouble like he did tonight. Bruce Brown had to play a whole bunch of minutes tonight, including a lot at point guard because of Jamal Murray's foul trouble. So that is going to be something that consistently goes. And I am very curious to see what Denver does when when that ultimately happens in a playoff series. But it's better to get practice with that now. And I think Bruce Brown, he's going to be a better player for it. And the Nuggets are going to be a better team for it, especially if they can get guys like Christian Brown and Zeke Naji a whole heck of a lot of work. Those guys are working hard. I know Zeke, I, I, got, I got some flack on this on Twitter for saying that Zeke got got by Steph Curry. I didn't see the replay, so I, I assume that Steph kicked out and it wasn't really Zeke's fault, but the space that Steph created to generate that four-point play was impressive. The fact that he needed to generate so much space over Zeke, I think is also impressive, and it says a lot about Zeke and what he's been able to do for this team. I like when Zeke is hustling. I like when he's switching. He got dunked on. Uh, it was a few games ago where he got dunked on successively by various people. And then he just went right back at it and went out there and played consistent defense again and again and again. And to have that mentality of just not breaking, like you can bend a little bit, but you don't break. And to be able to go back out there, even when guys are splashing threes in your face or they are getting around you for dunks or anything like that, 
it's a really endearing trait because what it says to me is that you're mentally prepared and you are consistent enough and even keeled enough to be okay in a playoff series. I think that Christian Brown is this way. Although I think that there are times where Christian Brown can hang his head a little bit when he gets guys scoring on him. Michael Malone also recognizes that, and that's sometimes why Christian Brown doesn't play as often, even if he's playing good defense at a specific point. So between those two and between Bruce Brown, I think Denver's got eight guys along with the starters that they can really count on for defensive stuff, or at least to execute what they're looking for defensively. I think Mike also counts in that category. He's not great, but he's not terrible. Jokic is his own little thing. He's not great, but he's not terrible. Denver, in my mind, is at this place right now with trying to build out their rotation where guys like Bones, Bones got the DNPCD tonight. It's going to be hard for him to crack the rotation again. It's going to be hard for him to do the things that he needs to do to get back in. The trade deadline is very close. We are we are at this stage, and I'll talk about that in the third segment, where Bones may just be on ice until the trade deadline passes. And either he will play again, or he will not. Or either he will be on this team, or he will not. And it is knowing, it is, it's kind of telling that in a situation where Jamal Murray gets three fouls, and Denver was, like, they knew they had to keep pace with the Warriors, that Bones still got the DNP. It is telling that in garbage time, Denver went to Ish Smith, Davon Reed, Peyton Watson, Vlako Chanchar, and Zeke Naji, and not to Bones Highland. I think that we are at this place with Bones where probably past the point of no return, but you say that, and sometimes people have said that in the past, and it hasn't been true. It hasn't been at that stage where people like like people can come back from various things. And I am very hopeful that. Everybody involved can win in that situation, but for now, DNP, it's a really tough thing. In general, I wish that this was more of a measuring stick game tonight for Denver. I do think that the Warriors, they they approached this like they wanted to win. Like Steph played 33 minutes and then sat the final four. He was on pace for about 37 and was a minus 16 in his 33 minutes. So Denver did some good things. Andrew Wiggins went 3 of 14, and most of those came against Mike. Uh, That's a pretty important point. Jordan Poole, he went off. He had 22 points on 15 shots, but he was only a minus 3, and he staggered with that second unit and had a lot of minutes where he could have propped that up even more, but he didn't. Uh, Guys like Dante DiVincenzo were good. James Wiseman somehow. I've been talking a whole bunch of shit. James Wiseman, plus seven in 17 minutes. I mean, what the hell? (laughs) It's pretty funny. Uh, But yeah, sometimes it's just like that where you have players and situations that are never going to come up in the playoffs again. James Wiseman's not playing in the playoffs. You're getting 40 minutes of Draymond Green. You are getting 40 minutes of Steph. You're getting 40 minutes of Clay. And Denver will be getting 40 minutes of Aaron Gordon. So it's not like it, it goes both ways on this. And Denver can up their minutes as well. It felt like they probably could have played Jokic even more. They probably could have played Murray even more. But in that case, we are going to eventually get some matchups between these two teams. And hopefully, like, I mean, the Warriors kind of seem like a team that's not going to show their best stuff, that they aren't going to go out of their way to try to win regular season games. 
The problem is, is that they're 26 and 26, and they are 7 and 20 away from, uh, gosh, where do they play? Chase Center. Uh, they're, they are not good. They are average. Just by every possible metric, the Warriors are an average team. And I am of that opinion that if Denver matched up with the Warriors in a playoff series, it would be tough. But I think Denver can do it. I, I talked about it on, I think, my last podcast that I would still favor Denver in a series like that. In my mind, Denver can do this. Like it, They don't have to be afraid of the Warriors. They know what the Warriors are, but the Warriors also have to be afraid of them. They know that Jokic is going to go. They know that uh, Murray is going to be a killer. Like who's going to guard Murray in a in a matchup between the Warriors and the Nuggets? Like he killed Wiggins tonight. Clay has fallen off defensively. Steph's going to be out there. Poole's going to be out there. I think that Murray, in a lot of cases, is just going to be super confident in his abilities on that end. Maybe it's Gary Payton the second. Oh wait. Gary Payton II is no longer there. They don't have a defensive guard. Maybe Dante DiVincenzo. But if that's the case, then you're probably breaking up the best version of the Warriors. So I don't know. I don't know what it's going to look like. But what I do know is that Denver is first in the West. And we will talk about what that means for their trade deadline prospects when we come back on the podcast side. segment here. Denver's 36 and 16. They are 24 and 4 at home. They have been basically unbeatable at home. The only two, the only four games that they've lost, two of them have been without uh, Jokic. Like you just, it was the Knicks game and there was a uh, the OKC game recently where Denver, they tried, they were very close. If you have Jokic, you win that game. Like, what are we doing? And then they lost a game against Detroit and which that was a very fluky game in general. And they lost a game against Dallas on national TV where Dallas just could not miss. So I think that Denver is at a better place right now where home court is just unbeatable for them. They are at a place where they have defended that home court extremely well. They're going to go on a whole bunch of streaks here. And I am very excited about what that prospect looks like. But given that they're first place in the West... They have championship aspirations. You would think that they don't have anything wrong with them, that they are pretty good with the team that they have. I still think as we do a talking about the trade deadline segment here, I still think that the Nuggets are at this place where they need one more guy. And it could be just playing Vlaco more. It could be trusting Zeke more. But I still think that in the front court, there is still a little bit of weakness there. And in the back court, If you're just relying on staggering Jamal for that entire time and Bones is kind of out, then that is a really, really tough place for where Denver's, they just don't have enough depth at that point. So everybody in the YouTube comments, I want you to give me your questions about the trade deadline and I will pull them up on screen and we can can do what we can to uh, just have a good, honest dialogue here. Before we do that, I want to route you guys to milehighsports.com, where I wrote an article earlier today, or I guess yesterday, since this is the midnight hour, I wrote an article about the trade deadline, and I proposed various fake trades. I proposed various ideas that have involved 
uh, talks in the past uh, that have involved players that are in the rumors in general. I had a fake trade involving Bones for Nas Reed, which I think would be pretty helpful. And there, there's a lot of guys that I think you could probably trade Bones for that would probably help this team out. That would probably make it a very interesting rotation for Denver. Uh, let's start with Robert here, who asks, Bones for Plumley and a little bit of a laughing emoji. You know, you laugh and I get it. I understand why you're laughing, but it would not surprise me if Denver went after Plumley. Plumley's really good and he's been playing great. And I wouldn't be surprised if Denver was like, hey, we could definitely use a player like Plumley who does a little bit of everything. Uh, it's a backup center who runs the thing like Jokic. Is it good value for a guy like Bones? No, but it would not surprise me if somebody like Bones would be great in a place like Charlotte where he has a runway, kind of like a lamella ball, to just make a bunch of mistakes. And in my mind, I would be I'd be pretty happy about Plumley being here. Like you don't necessarily have to play Plumley every night. You could play Zeke Nashi on some nights. You could play uh, Jeff Green on some nights, or Aaron Gordon is the backup center, whoever. But it's just about having options, you know? Like having a guy who can bang with a center, who isn't going to give up a whole bunch of size, and can also kind of be an above-the-rim threat and rim roller for you. There's some good things to have with a guy like Mason Plumley. Um, who else? Let's go to uh, teammate Jalen McDaniels. Uh, Mason Plumley's teammate Jalen McDaniels in Charlotte, less known brother of, of Jaden McDaniels. Actually, gosh, are those guys brothers? I don't know if they're brothers. They may not be. It's funny because they're basically like they're very similar builds and very similar style style players. But Jalen McDaniels in Charlotte would be a very interesting add. With Plumley, you would have to use the traded player exception. With Jalen McDaniels, you would not. I think that would be an interesting add. If I'm thinking of uh, different players from Charlotte that make sense, Jalen McDaniels, good, versatile, steals guy, blocks guy, rotates, uh, does a lot of good defensive stuff. Would he be perfect? No, nobody is. But he would do enough, I think, to really justify adding somebody like him, uh, especially just giving Denver another option, uh, which is the most important, important thing. Uh, Tyson says... Is Caruso a realistic target using Bones as the main piece going back? Bones-ish for Caruso work salary-wise. I can't imagine that the Bulls are going to give up on Caruso so easily. Like, they love, love Caruso. And they also have this affinity with being mid, apparently. So I think the Caruso is going to be a Bull. I don't think that he gets moved. If the Bulls have a – if they have a heart-to-heart, -heart, if they say – we really think that this is not going to happen and that it would be better to capitalize on this value, then maybe Caruso would be great in Denver. If you have, let's say, Murray, Caruso, Bruce Brown as a backcourt trio off the bench, then like Christian Brown would probably not play in that situation. Or you could just go uh, without Murray and you could go Bruce Brown, Alex Caruso, Christian Brown. And that would just be hellacious. That would be, gosh, I, I do not envy the guards that have to bring the ball up the court 
against that trio. That would be horrible. Uh, but I don't think Caruso is realistic. Uh, I think opposing teams are going to really want him even more than what Denver can offer. So it would be cool, but I just don't think it's viable. Um, let's see. Abel says Nas Reed has looked great this month when I've watched the Wolves. Yeah, last night, uh, third uh, Wednesday night against the Warriors, he was great, which is another reason why you'd maybe want a guy like that. You don't necessarily have to go small against the Warriors in order to match up with them. Just be better at what you do. And I think with Jokic, you've got some good reason to do that. But with Nas Reed backing him up, I could definitely see the Nuggets uh, going plus 10 in the Nas Reed minutes and in 12 Nas Reed minutes while Jokic, even if he's a minus four in the game against a team like the Warriors, if you're plus 10 in Nas Reed's minutes at that time, then you're still doing good. You're still fine. So I definitely like that. I've been a fan of Nas Reed for a while and I know that it's not the perfect option, but it's a good option. And sometimes, like at this stage, Denver might just be okay taking good because I'm not sure Bones is a good option for them right now. So you just have to get what you can. So we will see what that looks like. Um, Michael Weiss says, lots of folks asking long-rangey defenders. Malone tends to trust guys with some vet status. Plumley hits that. Another is a Linux. Curious if you see anyone else who fits both. Uh, it's a good question. It, it is a really good question because one thing that you have to know when trying to add a guy, like a Jalen McDaniels for for a reason, is really good. But would he just kind of fall into that Zeke Naji Flacco Chanchar category where Michael Malone just wants to play Jeff Green over him? Maybe, maybe for sure. I think that Plumley makes sense though. I think that Olenek, I've, I've long thought Olenek was very good. I think that he's one of those guys that can just run DHO offense that can pick and pop can pick and roll and also kind of hit on the short roll where kicking out to passer to shooters in the corner, things like that. Olenek is like a, a little mini Jokic in that where he can do a lot of things against bench guys or against bad teams. Is he going to be able to do it against the best? Probably not. Is he going to be able to play next to Jokic in a playoff series? Probably not. So are you just getting him for the eight to 10 minutes? Probably. I don't think the Denver wants to pay that fee. I think they'd rather have guys that they know they can play next to Jokic with a guy like Nas Reed probably being the exception to the rule because he's so good at doing what Jokic does from a bench perspective. Um, in terms of other guys, I've liked Precious Achua. I think that Precious Achua is pretty good in Toronto. I think that Toronto's got a lot of guys that Denver could really like. Precious Achua is probably not a name that you're thinking of with Toronto because they're thinking about trading OG. They're thinking about like, okay, Godfather offer for Pascal Siakam. That could be a thing. But in my mind, I think that Precious Achua just makes the most sense matching salary for a guy like Bones. So maybe he could do it. Also, Isaiah Hartenstein, old friend on the New York Knicks right now. Isaiah Hartenstein would be a good backup option for Jokic to play those 12 minutes. Just a really big body, somebody who's rangy and athletic and can do a lot of things as a passer, rebounder, and defender. Like, would love that. Rob says Sadiq Bey is an interesting player as well. May not help enough now, though. Sadiq, I, I think, like, it's a little bit different, but he would. I would love for him to play the Jeff Green role, where Jeff Green kind of has some offensive stuff, where he'll you'll go to him in the post, you'll go to him for an ISO. Uh, sometimes he'll be there as a another offensive option. But for Sadiq Bey... I think he's more of a pick-and-pop guy, but can also do some things off the dribble, can also do some things just spacing the floor. 
maybe a little bit better than somebody like Jeff. I would love to have Sadiq Bay. I think some other guys are, are and some other folks in the media are not necessarily as high on him, but I think he'd be a great seventh man, eighth man, whatever Denver needs, if they're willing to pay the price. Because I don't think that you can just trade bones for Sadiq Bay, and Detroit's not going to accept that. Like they have, they have no reason to go get a score first guard when they have a, a guy like Sadiq Bay who can at least do some two way things. So that would be tough. But I would love Sadiq Bay. I think he'd be fun. Um, who else? Let's just go through some of the comments here. Um, Fernando says, Hi, Ryan. Thoughts on the chances they go the buyout market route? Feels as a one seed and Jokic would be attractive on the market. I think this is actually a really great point. And there are some players, especially point guards, that I think you could probably get. One of them is Kemba Walker, who, if you're looking for offense, if you're looking for somebody who can do a little bit of uh, scoring and creation for your team. Kemba Walker could be a nice veteran option for Denver. I'm not sure who else is going to be on the buyout market. Maybe Jay Crowder gets bought out and then you'd have teams lining about the door in order to get somebody like him. I don't think that Denver has enough salary in terms to really be able to acquire somebody like that on the buyout market. But if you have to trade bones for, let's say, a protected first round pick and you don't get any players back, I don't know. Maybe a buyout market guy could emerge that could do it. I think that Denver as is, as what they have right now with Bruce Brown, Christian Brown, Jeff Green, Zeke Naji, uh, Vlako Chanchar, I think they have enough guys with that bench group that you don't need too terribly much more beyond that. You just have to get one more other kind of consistent player. Um, So there's a lot of good comments here. I think... Let's go to one more. Oh, Mile High, this is another good one. Denny Avgia. I proposed a Denny Avgia trade on the on the uh, trade deadline primer that I did for Mile High Sports. Make sure to go give that one a read because I think it gives better perspective than what I can give right now. Uh, but Denny Avdia, the one that I proposed was Bones and Zeke for Denny Avdia. He would be the perfect like seventh man. Somebody that you could trust in place of Porter at times. Somebody that you could trust in place of Aaron Gordon at times. There's a lot where, let's say Gordon is hurt. You need somebody else who can do it. And while Vlaco showed tonight that he could do some stuff, if you don't feel perfectly confident in him, I feel like Denny Avdia is somebody who uh, I think that he would be just a perfect, unbelievable fit with the culture of this team and what they want to do, kind of passing, sharing the ball, things like that. Um, uh, Vlekosov uh, says, stop with Bones. He is not great shooter, but for sure he is awful defender. Um, Bones is a great shooter. He takes really tough shots. If he took easier shots, then his average would be even better. Uh, but he is a great shooter. He just takes like some of the most difficult shots of anybody in the league, let alone players on the Nuggets. So that is something that I feel pretty comfortable about saying about Bones. Like if it was just shooting with him, like there, there really isn't that many players better on the Nuggets. Let it like, but Bones is great. Um, overall on the trade deadline, I don't think that the Nuggets trade anybody other than Bones. I think that they have a really good group. That unless something kind of fell into their lap, then I doubt that they would do anything crazy. So some of the moves for guys like. 
I don't know, bigger contracts, it's going to be hard. It's going to be very difficult. But I really do think that this group that Denver has right now is solid, is just very, very steady. Um, Greg, by the way, just comments, Avdia is that guy shooting like 27% from three. Yeah, he's not a good shooter, but he he literally does everything else really, really well just other than shooting. It's not the most important thing. And I honestly think that playing in Denver would be a little bit better than playing in Washington for his three-point percentage. You just get better shots. Like, Jokic is going to set that dude up, and he's going to be great. Like, I, I feel pretty comfortable with that. Um, But yeah, I think if you are just going into this trade deadline looking for an OG Ananobi, looking for an Alex Caruso, looking for a big name, that's probably not going to happen. Uh, Denver at this stage feels very comfortable with the group that they have. Um, Murray is awesome. He has proven that over the course of these last 20, 25 games or so that he just needed some time, needed some consistency. He kind of always starts season slow. This one was a little bit more pronounced because of the ACL tear, but I think that he's rounding into form. I think he's averaging like 19.5 points per game. Like that's pretty good. He's, he's back to where he was and the, the shooting and the consistency is really close. Um, Porter, they can't really move. Like he's kind of stuck in stasis right now. Gordon, they don't want to move. KCP, they don't want to move. Bruce Brown, they they don't want to move. They need Bruce Brown for this year, and then next year we'll we'll see if they could actually retain him. I doubt that they can. Christian Brown, they're not going to move. So you kind of go down to Bones, and like you're not going to move Vlaco. There's no reason to move Vlaco. Zeke, maybe you get some value for him. Peyton Watson, maybe there's somebody that really loves Peyton Watson, but. I think that Denver at this stage, it's going to be hard to match salaries. The chemistry with the team is really good. Denver's first in the West. There's very little that they need other than just like one more front court body. That's what I'm thinking. And so if they trade Bones for that front court body, then great. If they don't, then they just have to trust Flacco. They have to trust Jeff. They have to trust Zeke. And maybe that's fine. Maybe they'll get through and maybe that'll be okay. Maybe they go for the bio market, as somebody mentioned. But I do think Denver at this stage is in a really good spot. You could, it's hard to argue other than that. It's hard to argue anything else other than that. So everybody, uh, there is no need to panic if the trade deadline, if, if nothing happens or if Bones just gets traded for like a first round pick. I think Denver's going to be fine. I think they proved it tonight. They can score 134 against the Golden State Warriors. Like, what are we doing? Like, Denver's going to be okay. They're a contender. Then you just got to prove it in the playoffs. And that comes down to your stars anyway. So we will see. But for now, everybody, that is going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by Superbook Sports. I saw we had about 30 to 40 people in here throughout this entire thing. Everybody, thank you so much for hopping in, making this a really, really good show at this stage. I'm uh, just really excited for the dem- for the version of this that is going to continue to evolve on the YouTube side and just what everybody wants to know. I will be doing these shows live going forward. I'll be doing these shows pretty consistently, uh, trying to do the midnight hour. I think that that is going to be a really big hit. I think that we've got us degenerates as well as the Serbian crowd who are up at this hour. And I think it just makes sense for my schedule, but also for the schedule of how I want to do this thing. Should be a lot of fun. I hope everybody really gets to enjoy. So 
Everybody, thank you so much for tuning in. As I mentioned, that is going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by Superbook Sports. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in as we get in one more comment from Greg. Thanks, Ryan. Uh, and as well, Joey, legit show. Appreciate you. Appreciate you too, Joey. Really, thank you. Uh, and Fernando, thanks, Ryan. You guys, awesome. I hope that we can do this as a regular thing. Should be very good. All right. That is going to do it. Thank you so much, everybody. We'll talk to you guys on Saturday.